right, we are back making monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We are here for Windy City Gridiron. Um, I just want to start off by saying Packers suck. Dylan, Packers suck. One of my favorite moments about being at Soldier Field whenever, whenever you're there. I was there week one for the Niners. We talked about that on here. And walking through the tunnel, you guys know what tunnels I'm talking about because there's the little like overpass tunnel tunnel things you go through. And no matter who they're playing, what their record is, they walk through that tunnel and they chant, Packers suck, Packers suck. And it just echoes through. And it was great because against the Niners, the Niners don't like the Packers either. So they were chanting Packers suck, and it was just wonderful. And then Sunday happened. Unfortunately, we sucked. Yeah. Unfortunately, things did not go the way the Bears um, wanted them to go. And it was bad. There was a lot of bad things about this game. Uh, We could talk about the offense in general. David Montgomery looked great. That's about it. Pretty Um, much. Offensively. Offensive line looked pretty decent. Okay, solid. Uh, the offensive line has been holding their own pretty well, especially considering they're going against the Niners and the Packers, who are two of the better defensive fronts in the league and two of the better secondaries in the league. Um, but it wasn't pretty. Um, Sam Mustafer was getting pancaked and tossed around like a rag doll, and they were getting straight to Justin in certain times. He had a little bit of – he had a, a few moments where you were like, okay, like this could be something, and then there's people wide open in the field and the ball's not going to them. Um, instead, they throw to Mooney along the line of scrimmage for a negative four yards when we are at a second and 15 or whatever it is. Um, there was, I think, four or five three and outs. That can't happen. It was ridiculous. There was a lot of penalties. That can't happen. Granted, some of them were not on the Bears. They were crap calls. That always happens against Packers, especially at Lambeau. Um, you get calls. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Our player of the game had uh, someone hanging on his back at one point of the game, and they did not call any anything, any type of holding or anything. Um, there was at one point thirteen got twelve or thirteen Packers on the field, and they didn't call that. Um, but they want to call us for everything in the entire world. So it it, it wasn't pretty. There's a lot of really bad things in this game. Um, and the one thing I can say, if I can take out positive, number one, David Montgomery is one of the positives. And we'll just do maybe a couple positives we each saw because we're trying to be that as possible. Um, David Montgomery, obviously, to me, another thing that Aaron Rodgers has killed us with for years when we're talking about penalties is making us jump when it's on that third and five or third and six and he lets it the clock tick down to zero. And every time the last few years someone would jump, he did it to us from what I remember three times this game and they did not jump. Amen to that, because finally we had a calm line that wasn't leaping at Aaron Rodgers in an important moment, at least for that certain thing. Um, And obviously there were sacks from Quinn and Travis Gibson. So those are fun to see whenever you get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. But outside of that, I don't know if there was much else. Yeah, there wasn't really a ton of positives. Uh, One positive takeaway is Jalen Johnson. He's been playing very well so far this season. He's barely getting targeted. Part of that is going to say is because they're not throwing the ball at him. And like, I will say like... Doing well too, actually. Yeah, Brisker has been doing well, and like the problem with the reason they're not throwing the ball at Jalen Johnson is because they're throwing it so much at Kyler Gordon. Yeah, and, and like, Kyler's getting worked. Yeah. And I talked about this a lot a couple weeks ago when we did our defensive backs episode, where I was like, uh, Johnson's rookie year, Jalen Johnson's rookie year. Kyle Fuller was considered the elite corner of that defense, mm-hmm. and they just picked on him to no end. Yeah, and he struggled quite picked a bit on, at points. Picked on Jalen. Jalen Johnson. Yeah. yeah, and so obviously situations flipped, and Kyler's a guy yeah. who's just getting absolutely worked. He had the yeah. one good play where he kind of prevented a touchdown, but other yeah. than that, it was just. Not a good night at all. Yeah, which and what I'm hoping is Jalen is talking to Kyler and is like, 
relax. Like, I went through this. This is what they're going to do. I'm the established corner on the team now. They know what I can do, and they're going to bully you. So just relax, take a breath, and do what you do. Like, you've been, you did it in the preseason very well. You did it in college. You you know how to. You just got to relax a little bit. And some of it's that. Some of it's just getting your footing once you get into the NFL. And they they talk that you you hear it all offseason and preseason that preseason and regular season are different worlds. And this is what they're talking about Um, because you're not playing the best of the best usually in the preseason. And if you are, it's for limited snaps um, because they – are not wanting their guys to get hurt in the preseason. So it, we saw him against Seattle really, really show out. And it, now since then, it hasn't been much the first two games. He's been not playing well. But I'm not I'm not, I'm not freaking out on Kyler. Yeah, no, I think I. that he'll be fine. I think he'll start st- settling into his shoes. But our, we're here because we need another monster. And luckily, there was a monster <laughs> during this game. Um, and we picked Travis Gibson. Yes. Travis Gibson was so fun to watch. We'll get into the like statistics a little bit more later on what what he really was able to do against the Packers. And like I said earlier, against it, you can talk about all day about how their wide receivers aren't what they were, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers, time after time, has proven that he will make guys better. He will make plays happen. That's why he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's why he has the record he does. That's why since 2019, two teams have won at Lambeau. Yeah. Because you can't. Like, he's very hard to beat in general, and he's very hard to beat at Lambeau. And the thing that makes it sadder is I don't think Aaron Rodgers beat us. I think it was Aaron Jones yep. and uh, A.J. Dillon. You know, yeah. those two were the guys that crushed us. And, like, I don't know, the one positive, positive, positive takeaway I can take from offense is we completed a high percentage of our passes. Yeah. Only problem is there just seven for eleven. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. Like what are you doing? So the interesting thing to me is, as Luke Gutsy came out today, and number one, double down on the fourth and one call, shotgun. Um, oh my god. Yeah, which he called QB power play. I guess it was, and I co- I texted Coach Campo, and Campo said it was. It just wasn't executed properly. Um, go figure. But it was also a touchdown. Uh, but. He also went into – now I lost my train of thought because I got distracted by that shotgun How many, shotgun th- how many throws he had? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So the percentage – so technically he was like – it was pretty – we ran 48 offensive plays and what was he? What was 11, he? 11 what passes. Was he yeah. So 20-something – oh, 11 total passes. Oh, yeah. 7 for yeah. 11. Yeah. Yeah. So to me that's – I don't know. He, something about it was pretty even and what they were doing. But to me the bottom line is you can't let your team go four and out – I mean three and out – Four or five times. It like, was all the time throughout, from pretty much the the beginning of the or the end of the first quarter to like the f- middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah. It was just consistently three and outs. It was really frustrating. The thing that frustrated me even more is the entire game we took one deep shot. Yeah, like you're getting. We're. I mean, like it wasn't. We weren't. It wasn't as much of an ass kicking as I think it would say because like the first part of the game, you know, we were kind of in it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like the Bears were definitely trailing. You know, yeah. pretty much the entire game, if not the whole game. I don't remember exactly. Or no, we got the first touchdown. But other than that, it was. Yeah, very seven tough three on, and then ten seven yeah, real quick. Very tough for us on offense, and like when you're trying to score, score like you got to throw the ball. Yeah. And I understand the running was working well, but like it wasn't working then. They still weren't doing it, and like I just can't get over eleven passes. And like last week is understandable. We're playing yeah. in a monsoon. Like that's okay. And like yeah. I, t- I was talking to you earlier this week, and I was listening to this other podcast, and they're talking, and it was recorded prior to Monday night uh, football, and they were talking about the uh, teams with the least amount of pass attempts. Uh, the Bears had like twenty something at the time. The Bills had like, like 40 something. The Titans had like 30 something. And you're just like, oh, like whatever. And then they're just like, oh, yeah. And by the way, they the still Bears have are, to play. The Bears are the only team that's played two games out yeah. of these play, these teams. And it's, they, they have us beat by like 10 attempts. And like, 
yes, those are good teams, but like we want to be a good team. We got to learn how to throw the ball. Yeah. And like the thing that concerns me the most is like, is this the coaching staff saying we don't trust Justin? Yeah. Because and like, why it, else it would you not throw the ball? It makes you start to wonder. Yeah. Because, and I get it. You don't have the weapons you'd want, and we can point to that all day long. That. But where the heck is Cole Komet? Like, why isn't Cole Komet catching passes when all we talked about offseason is how Cole Komet could potentially be that wide receiver number two? He could be Gronk. He could be Kittle. He could be what not Kelsey, but in a Kelsey role. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen Cole Komet catch a pass. I think he's been targeted like once or twice. I don't understand. It's ridiculous to me. And then they'll play with Equinemius wide open downfield. That apparently was supposed to be a, cur- a curl route. Equinemius beat the defender, so he took off downfield for a go route. And kind of, I guess their signal for that is to wave their hands. And it, by that time, though, Justin just missed it. it. Yeah, it had been 25, 30 yards downfield, and Justin he had already kind of got worked through his progressions. But that's on Justin too. Justin needs to make his reads quicker. It was one of the things that we kind of saw. Um, in the preseason that we thought were was getting better was his reads and the quickness of figuring this stuff out. And it doesn't look like that. And there's no excuse for the line right now because he has the most time to throw in the league right now with 3.1 seconds average. Yeah. So can't do it. Granted, also small sample size because he doesn't throw the freaking This ball. is true. And like the thing too also is like you could argue like, oh, maybe Luke Getzey got in his head playing his old team and stuff. But it's just like, we're going to have to play the Packers twice a year. Yeah, every get year. used to it. Like, it's not, you know, like, yeah. And like, burn he, your Packer gear he, because you he said has, you put it in a closet yeah, or something, but he, burn it. He has so much to prove to me so far. Yeah. Like, I was coming in here with an optimist, an open mind and stuff. And like, we got the defensive coach. The defense actually hasn't really worried me so much. I understand it didn't look good for portions of the game, but yeah. like, overall, higher expectations. It's yeah. doing better than I would have thought it would at this point. For sure. And the offense has just been pretty much the same as last year. Yeah. And that's not what you want. No, it looks, it looks boring. And that's the what we said we did not want to see was boring on the offense. With the defense, they have bottom line that second quarter was terrible. Outside of that, it was a field goal and a field goal. Yeah. For three other quarters. So if they could have figured out something in that second quarter, which obviously it wasn't, but and there's no ifs. Like the game's done, we lost. And another primetime game against the Packers is in the books where the Bears take the giant L in front of everybody. But that's TV. not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about Travis Gibson. So let's talk about him a little bit. We have two different interviews coming on this podcast. One is with with Travis's brother Thomas, who is actually a professional basketball player overseas. Super cool of him because he called us from Israel. It, we had some issues because of the timing, um, but we got it. And then also Kelly Hines, she was a beat reporter for Tulsa, where Travis went for eight years. She now is the beat reporter for Oklahoma State. Her first season doing that, yeah. Yeah, so her first season at Oklahoma State, but she covered Travis from commitment to the day he to the day he was drafted. So that's really cool. Um, Let's talk about why we picked Travis. Travis had four tackle, four tackles, two tackles for loss, three QB hits, two sacks, one QB hurry, um, two sacks on Aaron Rodgers. That's what we want to hear. And as I mentioned earlier, Travis was also the one who was literally had a defender, uh, had a lineman on his back holding him, and he still got to Aaron Rodgers on that third down. Um, that first sack was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was that is exactly what you wanted to see. The Packers were driving. I want to say they were. Rodgers drove from twenty five from the twenty five to the eighteen. Um, Gibson sacked Rodgers on a third down to force that field goal, and we were like going insane. At yeah. least I was personally going insane because I was like, "This is what it's going to be like all day." It wasn't, but hmm. I, for a minute, I thought that. Um, so. We'll get a little bit to my frustrations with why Travis is not playing more a little bit later in this I, podcast. Aquadi Muhammad should not be playing as much as I want. He no. is. We'll talk about it more, but we'll like that's that. just all I want to say. Is, uh, I it's, don't know. It's ridiculous at this point. Um, but first, let's get into the interview with Thomas Gibson. 
Um, he's a really fun interview. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. He's super fun. Like I said, it was a little bit of work to get him, so it was really cool that he could join us all the way from Israel. So let's jump to that, and uh, and then we'll recap that a little bit. All right, now we are joined by Thomas Gibson. He is a former Kansas State basketball player and the brother of Travis Gibson. And so if you watched any of the Bears game last week, you should know, if you don't already know the name from the last couple seasons, Travis Gibson. Travis has been just, when he is on the football field, he's making some sort of play, and he's so much fun to watch. And last week he got two sacks on Aaron Rodgers, which we love sacks on Aaron Rodgers, so that was really fun. But Thomas, thanks so much for jumping on with us and chatting about your brother a little bit and your relationship with him. Um, I know brotherly relationships can be a little competitive, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about the beginning. You know, you played basketball and you were at Kansas State. He went to Tulsa. He played football. What was the beginning of all of this? What led you to basketball? What led your brother to football? Uh, Well, for me, I personally didn't like football all too much. I was taller, uh, and, you know, they was tackling my legs and everything. So that I kind of threw that out the window, and I just fell in love with basketball, you know. Um, but as far as for Travis, you know, he played both sports coming out of high school, so he was kind of indecisive of what he really wanted to do because um, I think his senior year he was playing in high school. He was playing uh, basketball as well, so he didn't get any scholarships um, unfortunately for basketball and you know um, he only had one scholarship for football which was at Tulsa University so ultimately he had to make that decision to stick with football but um, even though I mean dual sports he was he was really really good he could do both you know um, and he was very well he was very good at football you know and he was decent at basketball you know so uh, we kind of stuck with him to you know stay with football and obviously uh, the work paid off. So, Thomas, what I'm hearing is one-on-one, you're still cooking Travis in basketball. I'm cooking him in basketball. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, can't, he can't move like that. Yeah, I tell him all yeah. the time he got to work on his hips a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. love to hear that. Um, so what And was... obviously with football, I'm not I'm not getting on the field with him. Oh, He's yeah, 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 yeah. You ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> so he got it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, obviously, what was it like going through the draft process with Travis? I know I understand you were obviously overseas, but I'm sure you probably were still communicating with a lot. What was that like for him? Yeah, it was honestly a blessing that I got to be there uh, when he got his name called. Um, I was in Turkey with my wife and my little one at the time, uh, my firstborn. Um, unfortunately, COVID hit like around March. I was 2020. Um, but throughout all that, you know, he still had a chance. He obviously had a chance to get drafted in. Uh, by the grace of, of God, you know, I was able to get back right on time for him to get there. I think the draft was like April 22nd or something like that. But, um, you know, he was a little nervous, you know. Um, I knew he was going to be okay. I knew that you know, the work that he put in, uh, it was going to show sooner or later. Um, obviously, you know, being, you know, on the fifth round, um, he had to wait a little bit, took a little bit of patience. You know, he was a little antsy, like I said, just walking around. But he had his... He had his family there, had a couple of his friends there, so it was a good environment for him to be a little comfortable. Um, when his name got called, obviously it was a major blessing for him to uh, you know, receive the work that he put in. And for his name to get called, like I said, it was it was a it was a gift from God, you know, and it's a it's amazing, you know, that he's in the position that he's in now. And what was his initial reaction? Because obviously the Bears haven't had the the most um, wins in the last decade, but they are known to be a defensive team. And your brother being a defensive player, obviously he knows he can come in here and 
be a monster that the the Bears kind of hope he can be. So what was his reaction when he found out he was going to the Bears? Yeah, it was like a breath of fresh air for him. I think, <laughs> you know, like I said, we was waiting, you know, for the first four rounds. But um, I feel like a little bit of weight got off his shoulders when his name got called. Um, you know, like he knew, you know, that was the first step of being a, you know, a great football player. But, you know, the work wasn't done. I think he took a couple of days off or whatever, but he got right back to work. Um, as soon as his name got called, he didn't he didn't celebrate too long, you know. Yeah. Um and, you know, me and, you know, a couple of his cousins made sure that he, you know, didn't, you know, lack slack off of that, you know. Yeah. So um, it was it was really good, to be honest with you. But uh, like I said, we kind of knew that eventually he was going to get his name called. We just had to wait. You know, he just had yeah. to wait on it. Yeah, that patience is a little hard on draft day, I'm sure. But uh, speaking of, I want to go back a little bit to his high school career because he they won a Tex, a state championship when he was on the football team in high school at Cedar Hills. And I'm sure that's a fun experience anyways. High school football is very big here in Florida, just as it is in Texas. So um, I think that, that that has to be a moment in his life that he kind of looks back to also. But when you look at that, do you remember your brother in high school being knowing he was going to go on to play, whether it be basketball or football, in college and in pro? Was that his mindset the whole time in high school? Yeah, um, I always, I, I think for us, man, me and my brother's mentality is a lot different from everybody, and we're not here to, you know, say we're better than anybody else, but just our work ethic and our determination, our will and hunger is really, really good. And so I was at Kansas State. Um, when he was at Cedar Hill. And so I had to watch, you know, on TV and I just had to hear through word of mouth how everything was. But I knew he was really going to be special when they played the Soto High School and he was making plays after plays after plays. But, you know, at the time being, um, I realized that I'm not a football expert, but I realized they don't want to run it to Travis's side a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so (laughs) they don't run it to Travis's side. They haven't done that since, you know, middle school or high school. So, um, but him still being able to make plays, you know, it's wonderful. You know, he was, I think, against the Soto, he caught an interception or a fumble return, got it for a touchdown, you know, just making plays uh, all the time. You know, that's it's something that he's always done, you know. So um, I knew once once they realized to not run the ball on his side, like he was a special, he was a special, special player. So, um, and then even just growing up throughout high school, like, he always had it. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, he was a skinny kid, you know. He he filled up later, but um, he was always tough, you know. He was always determined to 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 make something happen on the field. Cool. Um, so something I did want to wonder is obviously you guys talked about you guys are from Texas and he went to school in Oklahoma and then he goes to Chicago, which is a drastically different place, mm-hmm. weather wise, culture wise, all that stuff. What was it like for him first adjusting when he moved? Um, I. I I think we're, we call ourselves like chameleons. We adapt, you know, I think we're able to adapt in anything. And he adapted pretty well. Obviously it's cold up there, super, mm-hmm. super cold. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I think being in Oklahoma, that kind of helped when it was in the winter time. Um, you know, and, and even in Texas, sometimes it gets cold, not snowy like Chicago or anything or Oklahoma, but it's still cold. So he was always able to play in those type of weathers, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a thing. People don't realize when you're coming to Chicago or when you go back and forth. Like, I, we live in Florida now, actually. So whenever I go back home, you you forget very quickly how cold it actually gets in the wintertime. But I've seen Travis play in some cold games, and it doesn't did not look like it affected him whatsoever. So that's fun to see. But 
So let's talk a little bit about you two and the competition factor growing up. I know how me and my brother were growing up, and my brother's five years younger than me, but I <laughs> I pushed that boy to be the best he possibly could. Do you, did you guys have that relationship too? Yeah, um, yeah, unfortunately, like, uh, you know, like I had to kind of help in the hand, like raising him in a way, you know, being around the house with our mom. Um, but, you know, it was wonderful. Like, we were always fighting about this and that, you know, he was playing basketball at the time. You know, us being four years apart, we weren't really playing like on the court or doing anything like that. But I think um, the work that I put in, he noticed it, you know, um, and it translated. Um, you know, we were always competing about, you know, pizza, <laughs> you know, you know, fighting over the food, you know, yeah. getting the last Who slice of the cake or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yep, exactly. So um, we were definitely fighting over the remotes and doing little things like that. But um, as far as like our respective sport, you know, we we respected each other for it, and you know, we put in the work on on the field and on the court, and it's a mutual respect. To be honest, I mean, I have, <laughs> and you can ask him. I have tons of text messages. We have tons of text messages of oh, I, I still want to play you one on one, or I want to line <laughs> up against you. You know, we still do it to this day. So, um, but it's just friendly. You know, I, I'm not crazy. I'm not lining up in front of that man. So. <laughs> <laughs> he has to see me on my territory for sure do you guys ever when you are watching each other's games is there ever critique in there when one of you say hey man i saw this like change this fix this this could be better or is it you don't you don't do you don't overstep that way no nah, we definitely help each other out he i just had a game the other day and unfortunately i fouled out but he had to he was like um he was like i noticed you use your hands a lot you know you got to make sure you don't give them a reason you know, mm-hmm. um, don't give him a reason to get those ticky-tack fouls and things like that. And even when I watch him, like I, I tell him, as much as he, you know, bends those corners and things, if he, if he helps his, if he opens up his hips, you know, and and and, and helps his lower back a little bit, I mean, he'll be a real, real monster. You know, we always helping each other, critiquing each other. It's always some way we can get better. And I think we're both professionals at the end of the day, so you know, we take that to the chin and never take it personal. Never, never take it personal. So I know he's here to help me and I'm here to help him. And I mean, to be honest, we both did it in a respectable way, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so you mentioned that you guys, when you're growing up, obviously you had, you know, some fights as brothers. I've had a lot of brothers. I understand that completely. You're six, seven, about 260 pounds. Travis is also about six, five, 260 pounds. Yeah. We thought Travis was big and then we saw your numbers and we were like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got to yeah. wonder who won, who's won more of the fights and who won the last fight? Uh, so what, <laughs> so what we do, we do like a, like an annual arm wrestling. Oh uh, yeah, I'm wrestling deal. So I've I've won all those. He has to be <laughs> so I'm just but I, we didn't do it last year. So I don't know how much weight he's put on. And I'm gonna be <laughs> honest, I've lost I've lost you know about 20 pounds. So I'm at like 240 right now. So he's he's definitely beat me on on the weight scale. So uh, when we link up this year, we're gonna have to figure it out and see what, who's gonna win this one. But right now it's three and zero me on the on the uh, on the arm wrestling match. And he but. 
but we have both lost to our father. (laughs) (laughs) We have both lost to him several times. There's video out there of us losing. So got that dad strength. Our dad still has it. Yes, sir. Yes, Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of your dad, because your dad played basketball also, so I'm sure that kind of influenced your decision a little bit too. But tell us about you, because I know you you played at Kansas State. Now you're playing overseas. But one thing that really sticks out to me was is you had multiple experiences in March Madness, and for for most of us, that's a, a bracket to fill out that we have a blast doing. But I can't imagine the moment, um, the kind of moment it is to play in something like that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a very surreal moment. Uh, you know, a lot of bright lights, a lot of attention. You know, um, it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling uh, to play in that type of environment. You know, um, you got to live up to the moment. I remember we played Kentucky when they had Julius Randle, Dakar Johnson. They had the 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 twins, Harrison twins. You know, it's just mm-hmm. you you got to live up to the moment. You know, like I said, it's and it's a blessing that I was able to play. Um, I was able to play three out of my four years. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play my senior year. Um, but I was able to play in other places, you know, professionally overseas that, you know, it was just a, it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's a wonderful thing. What's been one of the coolest moments for you, whether it be a place you played, a game you won, a play you made, like that final shot, whatever it may be? Um, well, beating our rival at home uh, against Kansas, when, against KU, um, we beat them, you know, I think our like past two years, we beat my junior, senior year, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty cool. They stormed, uh, our home team stormed the court, which was wonderful. Um, I've shared championships. I won two championships overseas, one in Finland and another one in France. Uh, it was pretty wonderful to, to win outside of your country and, and to share moments with other people that, you know, you had just met. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. You yeah. know, just seeing, seeing the world, to be honest with you, is a blessing. Uh, being able to play basketball still is my eighth year. So um, a lot of people that I know, you know, I've kind of um, haven't played that long. So I'm just blessed to be able to still play this game and to share moments with my family now, uh, with my two boys. So it's, it's wonderful. So even though I co-host a football podcast, basketball is without a doubt my favorite sport. Um, and so something I'm nice. wondering personally, um, <laughs> something I'm wondering personally is uh, there are a lot of really talented players over in Europe that a lot of Americans don't really hear about. Who would you say are some of the most talented people you had a chance to play with or play against? Mustafa uh, Fall. Uh, he's a French guy. Uh, I played with him. Um, he's about seven two, seven three, uh, solid two fifty pounds. He's huge. Um, had to learn a lot from him. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Ale- Alexander Madsen. Um, he's he plays for the Finland, Nas- Finland national team. Um, he was really good. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, how many people are actually good at, at their sport. You know, it's a real eye-opener once you travel over the waters and see that there's thousands and thousands of people, you know, love the same game that you do. And, you know, you got to be able to wake up every day. What's going to be able to separate you from them? You know, it's 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 real competitive, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's a blessing to see how, how you know, all those different cultures and different aspects of the world, to be able to share the game with people that you just met, um, it's a real blessing, you know. So, you know, basketball is art, you know, and to see other people's crafts is, is really a blessing. Yeah, when you look at a lot of the talents come out of there, I mean, the guys like Luca, Giannis, you know, I could go on. Like, yeah. Europe, Europe's got mm-hmm. a lot of talent for sure. So it's it's really yeah. up and coming for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. 
Well, Thomas, I want to say thank you. Before we let you go, I have one more question for you. So, uh, Travis, obviously last year had seven sacks. Uh, they didn't put him up enough uh, in the game enough, in my opinion. And this year they haven't put him in the game enough. So I'm shouting at the head coach and the defensive coordinator to put your brother on the field more because when he's there, he's making plays. But two sacks already. How many sacks will Travis have this season? Uh, I think he's going to get about ten. There you go. I want I'm him the- to get ten, yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy with um, that. They- <laughs> They definitely need to play my man's more. You know, I don't want to get on the soapbox. <laughs> but they definitely, they. I mean, the work that he's putting in, it obviously shows, and I appreciate you guys noticing it. And I hope everybody in the fans and everybody notices it as well um, because he's definitely working and it pays off. Uh, I tell him all the time, no matter how many minutes you play or whatever, no matter how many snaps you get, you know, just do your job and, and God will take care of everything else for sure. So I'm thinking about 10, 11 sacks. That's awesome. I yeah. like it. We yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We Before the season started, we actually had like a little like five players we're most excited about. And I had Travis number one. So obviously we got some Travis fans over here. Something I'm wondering though is you're definitely a very well-traveled individual. You've been all over the place. What is the weirdest thing you've had while playing in Europe and the best thing you've had, eat food-wise? <sighs> the weirdest thing I had, I think one day I had like, uh, I had reindeer meat. Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was weird. I don't know if you know if that's really usual, but <laughs> reindeer meat. I had that in Finland. Um, it was Rudolph. Uh, I, like no, <laughs> I no red nose. Nah, no red nose. Nah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know how do you say uh, escargot. Mm-hmm. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I tried that before, but. Um, I, I like I like trying different things, man. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm an open box, so um, good Turkish food. I mean, it's Mediterranean, but there's some stuff like there's a dessert called baklava, oh, yeah. which oh, is yeah. really good, delicious. Um, mm-hmm, and um, I don't know. I mean, I can go on and on, low key, but I'm a I'm a food guy. Trivis is too, so uh, I try anything and everything, and it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't throw up or anything afterwards. It, I'm, got a good stomach so yeah. cool <laughs> That's, I, love, I love food so i'm there for trying new stuff too um uh, but anyways mm-hmm. thanks so much thomas we really really appreciate it and good luck for the rest of i don't know where you guys are really standing in your season right now um but good luck with your season and we really look forward to cheering on your brother some more for the bears yeah real excited about it yes ma'am thank you thank, thank you. you thank you both i appreciate it right. no problem have a good, have a good one. one thank you All right, so that was really fun. I love Thomas. I love that he was able to really open up and kind of joke with us a little bit, and we were able to see that because I think football is taken so seriously all the time. I was just yelling in that first part of the podcast because I was so angry over the Packers game. But these guys are human, and they have lives outside of football, and it's really cool sometimes to see their story and how they go a certain route or what motivates them and stuff like that because it's different for everybody. So there was a lot of things in this that really popped out to me that show show that Travis is a fun guy. And to me, one of the things, I think it was cool, they have the arm wrestling contest every year. He's he's. Oh, and three. So he's got to figure it out because I'm going to need a win from him this I year. I mean, against, against a basketball player, too. Like, <laughs> come, come on. on. Like, I like basketball, but like, the, the football guy is supposed to be the strong ones. Who knows? Come on, Trev. And um, one of the things, Dylan, that popped out to me was when he said that he realized his brother was good when people stopped running on his side of the field. Yeah, in high and, school. Yeah. In high school. So at that moment, he's watching this, his brother. And, and, the number, I don't have the statistics, obviously, but they have the numbers out there where it says how many kids play high school 
what percentage of that go to college, what percentage of that go to NFL, and the massive decrease each year. It's pretty much like a percent of each one of those as he goes on. It's massive. Yeah. So when you're watching your brother play in high school, of course you're probably kind of like, I mean, he's good, but like, what else? You know, like, cool. Like, there's a million guys that are good around the nation. But obviously he saw something in that game when these guys were, like, scared to even – enter the side of the field that Travis was playing, that there's there's something else there. And he spoke a lot about them being motivated and them being, you know, like very self-motivated and very self-determined and chameleons to wherever they go. And he used a lot of words that show that Travis will Travis will work hard wherever he is and he will fit in and he will make it work. And that's what I saw out of it. You know, he he played basketball and football. He didn't really know what he wanted to do. He only got the scholarship from Tulsa. And so he went. And it looks like it played out. He made the best of a situation. Yeah. You know, and like Thomas mentioned in the interview, he thought he was under-recruited. Very clearly he was correct. Yeah. He's now in the NFL. He had a great he had a great couple of years at Tulsa, and he's been doing great things for the Bears. And I think that was just, it was, that interview to me showed that he's got a great family support system. You mm-hmm. know, like having a brother like that to call and, you know, talk about what it's like to be a pro athlete and deal with these things. Like, yes, obviously playing pro basketball in Europe isn't the same thing as being a pro NFL player, but there are some parallels you can draw for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome when you have something like that to lean on because when you don't have that, like, you can get bad influences in your life, you know, and you can get bad friends around you who would give you the oh, wrong yeah. advice. And having a guy like Thomas for Travis to go to, I think is really important. Yeah, I think so, too. And um, I think there was a lot of good to take out of that interview in the work, the work that Travis puts in and the personality that Travis has. And like you said, you the guys like this, which it's just it's funny to me to think about we're in week two of picking our monster. And so far we've picked two defensive ends number one two not starting defensive ends number two and two not power five conference players yeah isn't that kind of wild it is kind of wild and it shows you like in the nfl draft like it is very much like you can find those diamonds in the rough just because you went to the mac or the whack and when they were both fifth rounders too right yeah i think they're both Both of our fifth round draft yeah and like mentioned like not so much like travis was like a very small name in that draft class so people weren't like oh watch out for travis gibson and like dominic robinson very similar situation like he kind of got lost in that draft class Mm -hmm. as well so there are definitely a lot of the parallels between the two, and I think they both need to be on the field more. I, I agree. And again, we'll get to that a little bit later. But first, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to get into our interview with Kelly Hines. Kelly, uh, as I mentioned earlier, now writes for – she's a beat reporter for Oklahoma State, but for eight years covered Tulsa. So she covered tra- Travis from literally commitment through the day he was drafted and still follows him. She said in the interview, which you'll hear later, that she doesn't really watch much college – I mean – pro football but when she does she follows the players so she watches bears now and she thought that the bears was the perfect landing spot pretty much for travis so we'll again commercial break then we'll get to kelly and and then we'll uh, get into some of our frustrations yes all right now we are joined by kelly hines she's a writer for tulsa world for eight years um she now covers oklahoma state but she is very familiar with our monster of the week, Dylan, who is Travis Gibson. Travis Gibson had a phenomenal game and against uh, one of our rivals in biggest the Packers, rival. biggest rival, and Aaron Rodgers. He got two sacks on, which is fun for us to see. Um, but, Kelly, thanks so much for hopping on with us. It's really cool because when I reached out, you immediately said you had covered him through his whole tenure there at Tulsa in addition to from his commitment. Um, so it's really cool that you were able to kind of see how all of this went out. But let's start just from the beginning. When he committed to Tulsa, he is coming off a state championship from Texas. So what were kind of the vibes when you were seeing that the, the Tulsa football was getting Travis Gibson? 
Yeah, he was a guy who the coaching staff was really high on and maybe was under-recruited, which Tulsa tends to find guys like that. But he actually committed to the coaching staff that he wound up not even playing for. That coach wound up getting dismissed, and it was a new coaching staff that came in, and he won them over pretty quickly and really was a guy who they saw a lot of potential in, but he was tall and lanky and needed to put on a lot of weight, which uh, he wound up doing. I think it was like 50 pounds that he put on during his college career and really just came into his own and always was a big personality, but kind of owned it like during his, his time at Tulsa and just became known for making big plays. So to be able to see him continue that at the next level has been really fun. Would you say that there is a, a big expectation coming into campus that Travis could be a guy eventually made it to the NFL, or was it something that kind of you guys realized over time? I think it's definitely something over time. Um, you know, Tulsa has not really had that type, you know, at that time, didn't really have expectations like that for individual players. It had been several years since a Tulsa player had made it in the NFL, and definitely over the last few years, there have been more. Damon Collins obviously was a first-round draft pick, and now Tyler Smith with Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, there have been opportunities for guys to get to that level, but it's difficult, obviously, coming out of the smallest FBS school. So I don't think anyone really had those expectations for Travis. He was, you know, maybe a three-star guy at best, and super athletic and and you know probably six five you know coming out of out of high school six four six five but definitely was was you know a, a guy who there was potential for but it needed to play out in a certain way tell us a little bit about that timeline because obviously when he got there he redshirted his first year but when you see the progress from when he started to his final season where he had eight sacks in 2019 and doubling from that season before when you were watching Travis through that progression from a red shirt to what he did his senior year, were you like, wow, this, this guy has really improved? Or did it happen so subtly that you were just kind of used to what he was doing? I think there were probably some defining moments in there. But, it, it you know, being close to the program and, and seeing it play out the way it did, you just saw him steadily, especially, you know, when it came to, you know, he didn't put on 50 pounds overnight. Like he did that over the course of several years and really got his body to where it needed to be. But it also coincided with Tulsa's change to three, three, five defense, which um, really made, made him into what he was, you know, being able to be on the edge and be very disruptive. He was a really good fit for that style of defense. So I think things kind of culminated with him becoming a playmaker. And, and Tulsa at that time really relied on his defense, had, had you know, ups and downs with his offense. And, um, you know, he, he started on special teams and, and kind of just emerged over time. He wasn't somebody who just, like, burst onto the scene. I think it was, it was somewhat steady just seeing his progression. But, you know, especially as he became more of a playmaker, you know, you're doing more interviews with him and getting to know him, you know, a little bit better personally. And he just was so fun to talk to just because he has a big personality. So just definitely over the last couple of years of, of his college career, that's when he, he became, like, you know, better known by the media and by fans. And he just became someone that you just rooted for because he was so likable. If you're looking at Travis's first two uh, years actually playing his redshirt freshman and sophomore years, he really didn't uh, get a lot of numbers, it looks like. So I'm assuming he wasn't on the field so much. Um, there's kind of some parallels you could drive to the his first time with the Bears because rookie season didn't really play. 
And then immediately afterwards, once he gets on the field, you start seeing the production, seeing the production. Is that something that surprised you? Yeah, I definitely felt like, um, you know, when it came to his NFL career, it, it would probably take a little bit of time for him to get into, you know, just, just where he needed to be. It is it's a, it's a very difficult jump, um, and, and I think it takes some time. You, you see a lot of that, I think, in the NFL. So, you know, I think uh, he's, you know, just seeing it from afar now, I, it just seems like he's, he's really found what he needs to be doing. He's on the same page with, with his coaches and his teammates. And, and I think there is definitely a parallel there with Tulsa. I think, you know, it just takes a little bit of time sometimes. But then, like, once it clicks for him, I think it, that's when he's able to um, maybe get out of his head a little bit and just go out there and make plays. Yeah, well, last week with two sacks on Aaron Rodgers, looks like things are clicking pretty well for him. So. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and we have a similar situation also in the lack of offense a lot of times here in Chicago. So it, it's he's in a similar situation where the defense will rely on him in many situations, and it looks like he's been able to step up. His first sack this last week was on a third down uh, with the Packers heading into the red zone. So it was the perfect timing that Travis could have gotten that sack, and I think that we saw that last year also with his seven sacks. He's just – very timely with it, and no matter where you put them, it, him, it seems like he's getting after the quarterback, which I'm sure you have experience with. But I, I want to talk a little bit about his personality because you've said a couple times he has a big personality, and I like that. Chicago loves the big personalities. Chicago loves the guys that will come out there and kind of you know talk a little trash on the field but have a good time with their team. Was he in, you know, especially towards the last couple seasons there, did he have a leadership role on that defense? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he definitely became, you know, one of the one of the leaders on the on the defense and and throughout the whole team. And just having, you know, he he earned respect from his teammates. He he kind of has always been that underdog type, and that really fit well with Tulsa's football program. That's how a lot of those players have been. Even Zayvon Collins, you know, was a guy who came out of high school with very few offers and was overlooked. And, you know, I think that that's a program that attracts that, that sort of talent and really develops them when, when they're there. So Travis kind of fit into that blue-collar mentality. He just, you know, kept working. Even when he got to a really good point, you know, I think his, his junior season, he still was like, okay, I, I need to put on a little bit more weight. I need to maintain my weight during the season, which I think is a challenge for, for guys like him. And, you know, he just kept plugging away and never got overconfident. He was very confident in his abilities, but was very coachable and just always said the right things. And, you know, I think he just became a player who we relied on a lot in the media as someone who, you know, would, would give you good quotes and be a delight to deal with. And so I just remember a lot of those big games. He would often be the, one of the players who, who was brought to availability because he handled himself really well in those, those settings. Uh, kind of going off that last question a little bit, you touched on a lot about how he's had a great personality, and honestly, that's something you'd love to hear as a Bears fan. Uh, can you think of any specific instances where you remember his personality really shining to kind of put you on the spot a little bit? Oh, that's tough. Um, I remember once he talked about how he met Floyd Mayweather, but I don't know that he, like, really like interacted with him much I just remember that was a really big deal to Travis <laughs> and um, he had talked about that one it just you know you mostly talk football and, and little things come up but you know I had talked to him about you know his his brother um, 
Thomas, his older brother, had played basketball at Kansas State, and I'd seen him play, and, and he kind of got a feel for what it was like to be a college athlete and even a professional athlete from his brother, and he really looked up to him. And, you know, they had a, quite a few athletes in, in their family. I, I know his, his mom did track and his dad played basketball, and I think he was really well-prepared for life as a professional athlete. I think his brother may even still be playing in yeah. Europe, but he he just had a really good head on his shoulders and, you know, never was afraid of being in the spotlight and just kind of embraced that. And I'm sure there are stories I'm forgetting. I remember one time he brought his dog to football practice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I love that. Yeah. He just, uh, he just was, you know, a different personality type, yeah. but like so likable. And, and he, you know, he was someone who you would interview and he would remember your name, you know, just very mm-hmm. small things. Yeah. Yeah. It was more of the small things that like went a long way with me. You know, it's, it's, I was so lucky to be able to cover, you know, careers of, of guys, you know, when you're on the same beat for so long, you, you kind of get to know them, you see their journey and, and seeing Travis's journey and seeing it continue. I just, I really enjoyed that. And like, I will always be a fan of his because he, he treated the media really well. And he like, you know, really just went out there and, and he plays with, with emotion, but not out of control emotion, you know, mm-hmm. when you see him like celebrate on the field it's not like crazy but it's it's like it means a lot to him and he was that same way in college yeah it's funny that you were mentioning his brother because we actually talked to his brother earlier today and he's going to be he's on this podcast also um but he he was telling us a lot also about Travis and just kind of more of their competition and how they held each other to just kind of high standards and they correct each other and they still have phone calls today saying like hey, you should have did this in the game or you need to do less of this or more of this. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's important for some guys to have that that, that kind of somebody to look up to that they've now seen go through college and they've seen how to handle it and they've seen how to handle pro football. And to me, so far in the NFL, and it's a short sample pool, but Travis has handled it perfectly. And I, I don't think if we've seen any of that crazy BAM personality yet, but there's been a couple moments where you know it's trying to break out there. So I want to talk about draft day for a little bit because obviously um, it has to be a cool moment to see some of these guys that you've covered for so long and you've seen succeed and you've seen grow and develop then get drafted. It, how re- What was your reaction when you saw Travis go in that fifth round? Yeah, I mean, you just never really know. You know, you, you think, oh, you know, they're probably going to go on this day or that day. But that was very cool to see because it obviously meant a lot to him. He had done well, you know, with, with in front of scouts and, and really showcased what he could do, like, during his college career. But, you know, that you don't always know exactly what, what teams are looking for and how you're going to fit into that. But I really thought that that was a good landing spot for Travis. And, you know, it just seemed like it was going to, like, be a good fit for him. So we were able to cover um, someone for as long as I covered him to see their dreams literally come true with that. You just like know that that's that's not the end of the journey. That's like another chapter in it. So definitely was super happy for him, just because you knew how much work he put into it. Obviously, every everyone who's getting drafted has put work into it. But when you've seen it play out of the, over the course of, of you know four or five years, that's when you're like, okay, he deserves this, and he's going to make the most of his opportunity. I, I always felt that way with him. Yeah, just sorry, just one more part to that, because when you were talking about him getting ready for the draft and kind of showing off in the workouts and stuff, I know he was injured during the combine, so he 
he really had to work a little extra hard. And like in the interviews that I read, he put in the even extra effort on his pro day to make sure that he stood out on draft day. Is that the type of person Travis is, like putting in that yeah. extra work? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I know that that was difficult for him then, but, you know, I think he was able to overcome that. He was working so hard to, um, you know, not uh, not injure himself more, but get get to where he needed to be. But I also felt like, he was a guy who, you know, when when talking to um, NFL teams, he would like present himself so well um, that you know they would want to give him a chance, even if maybe things didn't align just right with what they were looking for. I felt like he was always going to say the right things and be very genuine, and you know, just just have those maybe intangibles that teams were looking for. I just felt like he would have teams be interested in him for for who he was as a person prior to Travis getting drafted by the Bears I'm fairly certain that like 90% of them at least had never heard of him which is you know it happens you go to Tulsa it's not a very big school was there an expectation that Travis was going to get drafted where he was was he supposed to go higher go lower and how were you guys feeling about that before the draft you know I think he was kind of projected to be around that same time you know I think that it is kind of a case with, with Tulsa that, you know, those guys maybe are not as well known and, and maybe aren't going to be as highly regarded because they're not, you know, from an SEC school or, or a Power 5 school. I don't know that we had, like, really high expectations because I've seen, I mean, I've seen guys who are supposed to go on day one, day two, like, fall really far. Just things happen and it gets weird. It's just so unpredictable, but, you know, kind of felt like he had an opportunity to go about in that range. So it wasn't like super surprising, but I remember just like, you know, thinking, okay, it could be, could be any of these picks through here. And then, you know, when you see it happen, you're like, okay, this, you know, it worked out really well for him. So I just think that, you know, when it comes to Tulsa, you just have to have to realize that, you know, things don't always go according to plan. And it's, it's easy for those guys to be somewhat overlooked just because they, they didn't go to a really well-known school. I agree. And I think that last week, our one of our player of the week was a guy named Dominique Robinson. And he also, he went to a Mac school. So two of our players that we're talking about right away who have made impact for the Bears are guys that are not in Power 5 conferences or in those big conferences. So it's kind of cool because to us, we're seeing these diamond in the roughs, these guys who maybe these coaches had to search a little harder in college to find them, pan out in the NFL and make that transfer really quick, which is fun. But speaking of that, for you, because you did, you said you covered Tulsa for eight years and now you're at Oklahoma State. What has that transfer been like from you? Any major differences going from a Tulsa to an Oklahoma State? Yeah, it's quite a bit different just because, you know, when I covered Tulsa, there were very few people who, who covered the program. And now covering Oklahoma State, which, you know, is a top 10 team and has had 16 consecutive winning seasons under Mike Gundy, it, it, there's a lot more media attention. And it's just different. I mean, you're you're seeing a lot of really elite players, like every, you know, every game um it's like who could have a breakout game this week but just a lot more playmakers and and just it's a different talent pool and even though there were really special players that covered at Tulsa and and several of them in the NFL now it's just those stories were unexpected whereas when you're covering a big 12 team a power five team you're expecting there to be players drafted every year you know it's just it's just very different so it's i enjoy both experiences they're just very different from each other and uh i'm still kind of trying to uh get acclimated on a new beat i just covering tulsa for eight years was 
a very beneficial experience for me to kind of learn how to cover a beat effectively. And I definitely got very spoiled by the access, being able to watch practice and, and talk to just about anybody on the team. And now, you know, it's just different with a, with a, a power five program there different protocols and rules for you know media it's just very different but i wouldn't say i prefer one over the other it's just different yeah so it's your first season covering oklahoma state it also happens to be right when they announced they're canceling bedlam how much does that suck for you (laughs) yeah it's it's been a very wild time it's kind of uh just a lot of crazy stuff has happened really you know starting with with Oklahoma and Texas, um, you know, deciding to go to the SEC, which I think that's a move that makes sense for both of them. But Oklahoma State is kind of trying to, you know, deal with that situation. And and it's definitely led to a lot of um, just a lot of uh, Twitter talk between the two fan bases. And but I really feel like Oklahoma State is positioned so well for, um, you know, what's what the Big 12 is going to look like when when OU and Texas aren't there or, you know, whatever happens with um, the next rounds of conference realignment, Oklahoma State is um, in a really good spot. And I think if, if the Big 12 stays with, um, you know, the, the existing schools and, and then the, the four that are incoming, I really feel like Oklahoma State could be, um, like, annual contender. And that's kind of exciting to, you know, think about as, as a beat writer, you know, to see, uh, you know, that that could be, an exciting situation for like years to come well there should be a few more bedlam games before we, they leave so we can at least look forward to those yes uh yeah. kelly yeah. one more for you before we let you go uh how what do your sundays look like do you watch a good amount of pro football i usually identify games that i you know i look for players I covered honestly mm-hmm. because that's i don't really have an nfl team that yeah. i root for and oftentimes I'm traveling back um, to Oklahoma on Sundays, but I really try to, you know, I definitely have, have watched Travis's games as much as possible. Watch a lot of the Arizona Cardinals because of, of Zayvon Collins and now watching Dallas Cowboys because of Tyler Smith. You know, I just, yeah. I try to see, and, you know, Detroit Lions because of Malcolm Rodriguez, who is from the Tulsa area and, and, and you know, went to Oklahoma State. Um, and I got to know him a little bit during the spring, even though I didn't really cover his college career. So it's more about that. You know, it's, it's, you just feel more of a connection to it when you know the players so it's it's definitely a, a, a all over the place um with um the games that i watch yeah which i kind of figured that because i know oklahoma is definitely college nation out there like yeah. everybody loves their college football and so you forget sometimes that when you live in a city with the nfl team it's not different yeah not everybody has that opportunity to have a team that they grew up with so I, I i think it's really cool and that's one of the things when i was looking for somebody to talk to on this podcast your name popped up because you had tweeted trevis doing trevis things and i was like this girl seems perfect because she obviously is still watching trevis also um but anyways thank you so much kelly and good luck uh with everything at oklahoma state all right thank you so much for having me thanks so yeah, much no all right. Well, thanks to Kelly for joining us. That was really cool. Um, she was in some traffic. We got her right when she was in probably the leaving work type of traffic. I don't know what it's like in Oklahoma, and but it is bad here around that time. So <laughs> no, fun. I mean, I think one time I was on I ninety five for like an hour just trying to get home. Oh so like God. it's it is not fun. Our so traffic here I, in I Jacksonville feel sucks because there's also just construction in every five seconds. Um, hey, you, uh, know, you know what they say about Chicago? 
It's either it's either winter time or construction, or construction time. time. I didn't think seasons. about it like Those that up seasons. there. I forget because like it, they can't do it in the winter time, nope. so they have to do everything in summer. Yep. Oh gosh. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what Kelly said. So Kelly pretty much had very similar things to say about her as the brother Thomas, as in his personality. What I did notice that Kelly mentioned a lot was his big personality. I don't feel like I've seen that quite yet. Have you? I was going to say the same thing, but I do think part of it is Travis hasn't got a ton of media attention. I've yeah. only seen a couple of interviews with him. Like he's not, he's very rarely going to the podium after games yeah. and talking to everyone. And like, I do think part of it is that he hasn't played that much. So yeah, like, that's true. the reporters obviously aren't trying to, you know, get to him. They're probably trying to get guys like Robert Quinn, those kind of people. But like in the interviews I have seen from him, he seems like a fun guy, you know, but like, we just got to see more of them. Yeah. And the one thing I do remember, obviously, from the Niners game when they had all the pictures of them splashing around and, like, at the end when they were all sliding, there's one picture where it, Travis was, like, in the background of the picture and just had the biggest smile in the world on his face. And you could just tell he was just, like, soaking in Soldier Field and soaking in the rain, I guess, also on that day. But How much I, things can change in a week. Yeah. It, it's one of, the th- like, one of the things that I saw, and I remember being like, oh, Travis looks happy. But it didn't like fully click that like, oh, Travis was a part of this group. Like he was in the end zone celebrating with everybody. So obviously he's in that little like, okay, I'm here. I want to be a part of the group. Some of the guys take their helmets and walk to the side of the field. And Travis is also one of the obviously one of the guys that wants to celebrate a little more when you have the opportunity. Um, But even with the sacks, I feel like I didn't see this big overreaction after the sack. Like I feel like it kind of happened and he was like, okay, I got my sack. Now let's go. Like, yeah, I mean, as a Bears fan, as long as you don't tear an Achilles on a celebration, (laughs) yeah, you're fine. You're good with me. Yeah, I like, I'm celebrating when you get a sack, especially when it's Aaron Rodgers and he's going down on the ground. Um, Yeah, so I mean, pretty much I, I get that. I get from her and from the brother there, he's fun. I can't wait to see more of that personality because I really see it. Um, I see that. it's going to shine eventually. He's a young kid. He he's potentially and should be probably the future of this Bears. One of the ends. Um, it'd be really fun to have him and Dom just like future Bear defensive ends. You know Each that side. we get to see for a while. Yeah. Like Wait, you don't want you don't want Robert Quinn and Alquidi Muhammad as our future <laughs> the next defensive years, end I guys. I don't think so. Um, well, speaking of that, let's talk about that a little bit, Dylan. Yes, let's talk about Alquidi Muhammad being why? on the field. Why? I don't know. I don't, I truly don't understand. Let me read you these numbers. So, Robert Quinn, I want Robert Quinn in there. Robert Quinn's a playmaker. Robert Understandable. Quinn's a beast. He's disruptive. Um, I'm not complaining about this, but this is just to reference. Uh, so, 101 snaps Robert Quinn's had. 51 rushes, 6 pressures, 14% win rate, 1 sack. Um, he's played 72% of the snaps between the two weeks. Makes sense. Um, oh, 72% in week 1, 76% week 2. Pretty much the same. Muhammad, 82 snaps he's played. He's played in 63% of the snaps in week one, 57% of the snaps in week two, 35 rushes, two pressures, 5% win rate. 5% zero sacks. Why are you in this game more than Travis Gibson, who, listen, 49 snaps. He played 41% of the snaps in week one, 31% of the snaps in week two, 26 rushes, eight pressures, 21% win rate, two sacks. I mean, I've coming into the season, I thought Travis was going to be a starter. He was very much under my, especially the way he played last year. I was like, this is the guy. You were also expecting Quinn to not be here. I also thought Quinn was going to be here. But like, even with Quinn being here, I was like, Travis, this guy's he's got to be out there. He's yeah. a guy who's clearly had the most potential of anyone on the defensive line at this point. And when they brought in Al-Kudim Muhammad, I was like, oh, like he'll be a nice depth piece or whatever. 
Turns out he's starting, and then we hear from guys like Clee Harbor, and then there's like, oh, they rotate a lot and all this stuff, but Al-Qudi Muhammad is still getting- This isn't an equal rotation this to is me not either, rotation, like not even close yeah. to it. This is, he's still getting a wide majority of the snaps, mm-hmm. and I really think it's just because like, he's Iberfus' guy. Yeah. You know, he brought in here for the Colts. You know, mm-hmm. I hadn't really heard of him before he handed the Bears. Yeah. He was a solid player for them, nothing crazy. Yeah. And he's been But even when you look okay at his at numbers best. there, his pass, ru- pass rush- was never like phenomenal. Yeah. He I mean, never had a great pass. He's rush. a good depth he was piece. Good at, yeah, yeah, and like he was good at, he was he was better at like the run blocking situations and uh, just kind of like containing, keeping that quarterback in the pocket and not letting them do any like anything crazy and extravagant. But he was never the guy that was getting after the quarterback consistently and a lot. And so far, Travis Gibson is. This is. 49 snaps so obviously it's almost half of what Muhammad has been out there and then when you even look at Dominique Robinson Dominique Robinson has been out there 49 snaps also 38% week one 34% week two he has 26 rushes four pressures 13% win rate and two sacks so here we have Robert Quinn if anything Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson to me should be rotating and put Muhammad behind Robert Quinn I agree honestly yeah because to me a 13% win rate a 21% win rate and four sacks is way better than a 5% win rate and zero sacks. But I yeah. guess I'm not the defensive mind that Eberflus is. I mean, at the end of the day, like, Robinson and Travis are the future of the Bears. Yeah. al Muhammad is Get not. out there. Plain and simple. And, like, I understand, like, you think he's the best situ- person for your situation right now. I disagree. Maybe Flus thinks that. But even still, you got to think more long-term. Or like, maybe Flus doesn't think that and Alan Williams thinks that. I mean, and- that could be the case as well. But, like... But point, that's why maybe the the decline for Muhammad happened from sixty three to fifty seven. It's a like little slight. Sixty. I mean, like it is a little bit huge, of. It's not huge. Maybe Eberflus yeah. is like, look, I'm seeing something in Dominique and Travis. Let's see what we. I got. mean, the way they've played the last two weeks, it's pretty indefensible at this point not yeah. to have at least similar numbers for between them and Muhammad. Yeah. Like it's. I get if they're not going to be completely overtaking him. It's been two games. This is yeah. a guy you've trusted for a while. Like I yeah, understand yeah. that, but like. They definitely got to be at least a similar amount to him. Yeah, they have to be noticing something, though, because Robert Quinn's out there for 101 snaps. So it's 20 more than Muhammad's out there. So Muhammad has definitely started to lose some of his reps at some point. And we talked about it last week when we were talking about one of Dom's sacks when they put him and Quinn on the line. And that's when the Eddie Jack oh, it was the Eddie Jackson interception. And that when they put Quinn and uh, Dom on the line, that's when the Eddie Jackson interception happened. When they've had Quinn and Travis on the line... I was looking at the, like, follow-through of what had happened. Number one, you see three sacks already in the time they lined up together, which is only uh, 49 snaps. No, that was two weeks. So 30% of the time, Gibson was out there. And so 30% of the time, you get three sacks out of it. Yeah, and, like, obviously he's not, you know, he's not going to be getting two sacks a game the whole season or anything. Like, it's understandable. But, like... He has definitely been productive enough to the point where it's indefensible not having him out there. Yeah. It just, it's, it's plain and simple. So frustrating. So that kind of leads me into our next point. We have this. We have Houston this weekend. A familiar face and Lovey Smith coming back Lovey's to Chicago. Lovey's coming home. Lovey. Um, I will always love Lovey. My first car's name was Lovey. Um, he I was just my Lo- favorite. He was my favorite. Yeah, I, I think Lovey's got his place in everyone's every Bears fan's heart where it's not like, He's not like Mike Dick or anything, but like he's like just below that. Where yeah. it's like he was an institutional piece. I mean, of we the had Bears. some of our best years that we've had in a long time with Lovey. Fired and at then ten he got, and six. Ten and six. Ten and six. I'll never forget what the I would, for that. What I would give for ten and six. These oh days. my God, please! I know. So we, we are speaking of obviously getting Travis in there more and getting Dom in there more, but um, that's one of the things that has to change this weekend. But when we look at this game. I think especially when you're comparing it to the Packers, there's a lot of things that need to change this weekend. For example, throwing the ball. 
Yes. This has to happen. At least 25 times. Has to happen. Uh, when you look at the numbers for Houston, they're, they've gotten a little better. Lovey's a defensive-minded guy. They're de- and just in having Lovey, your defense is going to progress a little bit. They got some play, added a little bit of playmakers the last year. Derek Stingley was a high draft pick for them this year. Yeah. And But when you look at it, they're also, uh, let's see, I'm just like going over really quick of kind of some of the numbers that we can expect from Houston's defense. So when you look at their defense as a whole right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, six seven, seventh most passing la- uh, yards allowed. Pass on them. Throw the ball. Just throw the ball. Because honestly, they have allowed 541 passing yards um, in two games. And they played, I think, the Colts. Who and they, they played the Broncos last week. The Broncos and the Colts. Those yeah. are the two teams they played. And so they have allowed against Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, who honestly Denver is not looking very good right now, um, 541 passing yards, 270.5 yards a game right now. Yeah, and um, honestly, I think most Bears of that came from Matt Ryan too. Cause... are at 366 passing yards. Yeah. They haven't allowed a ton of passing yards. They just got ran on by Aaron Jones. And then obviously the monsoon came. Who knows? Like that game is just kind of a wonder in the world right now. Um, but the for rushing, for example, they're both at the bottom as in most allowed. So the Bears have allowed the most rushing yards in the league right now with 379 yards. But Houston's right there with them, third, third most at 326 rushing yards. They're not that great of a defense right now. Bears can run on them. Bears should be able to pass on them with what they've been able to do from other, obviously from what they've been able to allow for other teams. And the one thing is they're not letting, they're not letting people score, though. So and no break as much. It, it's I think they're like eleven or twelve. So they've allowed thirty six points, which is a decent high. Eighteen points a game though, so that's nothing crazy. And the Bears are right there with them. Uh, thirty seven points. They've allowed eighteen point five, but obviously we only allowed ten to the Niners. So Dylan, if you had to tell me something that cannot happen this weekend, what is it? You cannot happen if the Bears want to win. You can't throw the ball eleven times. Yeah. I mean that is just plain and simple. Like it's got to be number one on everyone's list. Like. Passing the ball in the NFL these days is so important. And this is by no means saying go away from Dave Montgomery. Yeah. You can still very much give him the ball while throwing the ball 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing for me is, like, you can't have that many three and outs. Yeah, like, no way. And the thing that was so frustrating about them to me was, like, it wasn't like it was just three straight terrible plays. You'd have, like, a two-yard run, uh, and then you'd have, like, a four-yard uh, pass, mm-hmm. for a four-yard slant or whatever. And then, like, another two-yard run, and then it's... You're third and short, and it's just yeah. like, or fourth and short, and it's just like, all right, well, I guess we're going to punt. Yeah. And it's just like, you need to be aggressive. You need to be um, trying to score. And yeah. it just felt like the Bears were just, they weren't giving it their all. Yeah. And, like, I know Luke gets he's doubled down on this QB draw crap yeah, or whatever he wanted to say. Terrible. But, like, lining QB up in shotgun play. there is indefensible, and yeah. it just seemed like you're, it didn't seem like they were playing their hardest. And, yeah. like, this seems like a game where it's just like, this is such a winnable game for yeah. them. And... They should not only be competitive in this game, but, like... They need to win this dominantly. I I agree. They need to. I think the Texans are worse than us. This is by no means saying the Bears are by far the better team, but I think we're definitely further along than they are at this point. But even with that being said, like, there's just so many things that we did bad last week that, like, it's almost hard for me to figure pick a place to start. Yeah. And that's what I think my main thing is going to be the dumb mistakes we can't like we can't have those there were seven penalties for 50 yards uh ryan griffin had a holding and one of those first three and outs and that's what backed the bears up and ended up 
putting us, I think, I can't remember the exact progression of it, but, it, and you, you want to be like, that's not a big thing. It's five yards. But when you can't get yards, that five yards is a lot, especially when you are trying to just make something happen. And I think that there were several times during that game where something dumb like that would happen. The one play, Justin Fields was five yards over the line of scrimmage and threw oh, the ball. That was so stupid. I mean, <laughs> I, was I, like, I, I understand. Like, he's what just like, is happening? He was like trying to do something. And like, I do think it's kind of a rookie move wherever we're just like. But that's like, awareness. You got to know. You got to be aware of that. And like, are. you could argue, like, hey, he wasn't going to get the first one anyways. But like, Justin's an athlete. But now and, you like, got a penalty. And like, yeah. it's. Multiple things are going wrong oh, yeah. in that situation. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. And, like, he's an athlete, and, like, he honestly, like, he could have took the ball and maybe got past the defender. Like, yeah. odds are he probably goes down and doesn't get the first down. But, like, throwing it there, it's pretty unlikely the ref's not going to see that, and, like, it doesn't really get you much. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. The thing for me that I also really want to see is the big thing is, like, not only did they throw the ball 11 times last week, but they threw the ball deep once. Yeah. I want to see at least three to five deep balls. Yeah. They don't have to be completed, but I want to see them attempted because at least that means yeah. we're trying. Because like yeah. last week, I don't think we gave it at all. Rather than us just watching these. And this slant, is slant, slant, slant. Oh like, God. And this is when I was just talking about mistakes. The second, so the Bears obviously started off, they started off the game with the touchdown and then they punted. And that one punt was because of the uh, Justin Fields was sacked for a negative five yards right away. And then Justin Fields threw beside him sideways to Darnell Mooney for a loss of four yards. So at that point, the Bears are at a third and 19. The next time, they punted again. It started because a penalty on Ryan Griffin, as I was just saying, that's five yards. Okay, five yards, whatever, but it's a first and 10. Now you are now you get a first and 15. So you're already getting pushed back. You're going backwards, and we haven't even made a play yet. Um, and then it was a, pa- a run-run with Khalil Herbert. Got nothing. It was a third and 10 at this point. And it was just like one thing after another where you felt like Justin was trying to do certain things, but in that, then bad things would happen because in this one, he scrambled us up the middle. He gets three yards, and then that's when he throws it to Equinemius, penalty for a legal forward pass. It was just moments like that where, like you said, you would think something positive was about to happen, and then something dumb would happen. It was whether it be a dumb mistake or whether it just be like a play just completely not working out, and then it would take them back. And that happened from after that touchdown, punt, 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 End of half, punt. That's what our downs went down. We finally recovered a fumble from Green Bay, or Green Bay fumbled. Momentum shifted a little bit from that point. Um, we got a field goal after that. It was 24-10. Green Bay punted again. Then the Bears get the ball back. They get a turnover on downs. That was the shotgun play at the goal line. At that point, it would have been 24-17. The Bears would have They're been down out of it. seven with five minutes and 44 seconds left. Yeah, and like as crazy as it sounds, like it felt like we were getting our asses kicked that whole game. And, and it, like, they the, did it. They were right in there. And yeah. like and they played terribly, too. Yes, they so did. So what does that show for Green Bay? Exactly. Green Bay, I don't, I'm still not super sold on them as a team. Their offense is, I don't think they could either. And their defense, I think it's a little overrated at this point. But it's just like, they played scared last week. Mm-hmm. They were playing not to get turnovers, not to lose, and all of that. And, like, I understand not wanting to do that, especially for Luke Getzky going back to Green Bay. And, like, yeah. he probably overthought a bunch of those things. So oh, like, for sure. There is absolutely zero excuses for Houston. Yeah. Like, the Monsoon Week 1, Green Bay and Lambeau, there's all those things. You can say a million things. Houston is a terrible team. Yeah. We and should, you're home. Like, and we're home. And, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm not going to be pissed if it's a competitive game. Yeah. I understand that, like, there's similar talent levels. Like, Houston isn't that far away from where we are. But if we're not trying to win by throwing the ball deep, being creative, doing things that are innovative rather than just run, run, pass, or slanting the opponents to death or whatever it was, and if we could be consistent in being aggressive, I'll feel a lot better going forward. Yeah. 
Can I also see some Roquan? Yes, he was terrible last week. <laughs> like, I felt like he was not existent last week. Um, speaking of the injury report this week, Roquan was on it. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday with a hip Might injury. have to do with it. Uh, Jalen Johnson, quad injury. He was limited today. Bayless, hamstring, didn't practice Wednesday, but was limited. So he's. I hope we get to see him this week. eventually. Uh, Ryan Griffin didn't practice either day. Achilles, Dane Krugshake, hamstring, didn't practice either days. Matt Adams, hamstring, didn't practice Thursday. So that's an unfortunate. Looks like our linebackers um, are a little banged up. So we may see some Jack Sanborn this weekend. Yeah. Which I'm down for. Okay with it. Um, I, I'm I'm not. Like you said, you mentioned earlier, like our defense has been okay. Yeah. They need to make more plays, obviously. I want to see Roquan. You cried about wanting to get paid. Now show us why we want to pay you. Um, because so far, I haven't seen that from Roquan. Um, and we did also see that we did also say that his numbers aren't going to be the numbers in Flusa's system because it's just not the same. So maybe this is the Roquan in Flusa's system, and that's why they weren't fi- paying overpaying him because a guy like that you – aren't like clamoring for especially if they're counting on their end so much um so it'll be that's interesting but yeah i think bottom line like you said they need to throw more take some chances uh we get it we we're bears fans we've seen 50 interceptions like we've seen it they shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes no and like i do think because we get it we get they're a young team we get there's going to be learning and developing and everything involved what's going to frustrate us more is not putting the guys out there that we can know can make plays and letting them make try and make the play. Yeah, and, like, the thing that, like, you look at the Bears last year, or not last year, but the last year Mitch was here, and the last year Mitch was here, they very similar offense to this where it's just, like, they were not they were not throwing the ball. Like, I think, I don't remember how many years ago, but they had that one game against, I think it was the Panthers or the Browns where they threw the ball six times. Like, it's just insane stuff like that. But the reason that they were doing that was it was very clear that the coaching staff did not trust Mitch to put the ball downfield. And we're seeing similar amounts of play calling in terms of the style mm-hmm. with right now with Justin. And that makes me a little afraid because like Annoyed. I still have a lot of confidence in him as a player. Yeah. But it makes me feel like the front office or the coaching staff or whoever it is doesn't have the same confidence for him to throw the ball right now. And it scares me, number one. And number yeah. two, it's just like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand. Like, if he's not the guy, let's find out. Yeah. You know, like, but if he is a guy. You're not going to know unless you throw the ball. You got to give him the opportunity to prove himself. Yeah. And like, if you're just doing like these BS things where it's just like, Everyone's just going to be like, oh, well, Justin's good. You have to give him more opportunity. Other people are just going to be like, well, we're not giving opportunity because he's not good. It's just like you can't be in the middle because playing it safe doesn't solve any problems. And I've had multiple people here at the Jacksonville station come up to me and be like, oh, I'm starting to worry about your quarterback. And that's because Trevor Lawrence looked really good against the Colts who had no Shaquille Leonard, but whatever. That was um, the Colts. Yeah, uh, whatever. And the, I... I get it. But number one, Trevor Lawrence is seven games beyond Justin Fields. Justin Fields got screwed last year because they didn't start him. Then he got injured. Then they were, like, questioning bringing him back because for whatever reason, Matt Nagy had a love affair with Andy Dalton. And I think that it screwed Justin Fields last year. And so— It was almost a lost year. Yeah, it really is. And for Trevor, it was, too, in the sense of Urban sucked and he didn't know his player's name. <laughs> That's an understatement. Name. And there was a lot of chaos, but he got a full season start. He started every game last season. And not to mention the Jaguars spent so much money, money to make his offense better. You went and you paid Christian Kirk. That's looking like it's working well. People complained that it was overpaid. He was a slot receiver, blah, blah, blah. So far in two games, it looks like that is it was good. The Bears don't have that right now. No, the Bears don't have a consistent guy. They have Darnell Mooney, but outside of Darnell Mooney, they have nothing else. So there's, no, there, there's just so much. There's so many problems. So I think that when you look at that, the... 
the game he's at game 12 trevor lawrence is at game 19 that already seven seven games for guys that's significant um because when you look at where trevor lawrence was last week for i mean last year for a game 10 11 12 people were like "Uh uh-oh they were starting to worry about trevor oh big time there was guys quarterback whisper denny thompson here who trains a lot of the quarterbacks literally was like he's regressing and i'm worried that yeah, I, was at game 12 last year. I think coming into this season, he was the odds-on favorite to lead the league interceptions. Yeah. Like, he was, he's, he's one of those guys that people are afraid of. And, like, I think he's a perfect example of, like, he had a season where he looked almost lost at some points last year. But, mm-hmm. like, this week, he looked really good. Yeah. And I do think we could say a very similar situation for Justin, where mm-hmm. it's just, like, he had situations where it looked tough, but, like, give him the right opportunities to compete and play, yeah. you can take advantage of those. Yeah. And I think that's the bottom line, is you have to be able to, at some point, trust your quarterback and play to the strengths of your quarterback. And the good thing is your quarterback has an arm. He can he can throw it down the field. He can run. He's fast. He's big. There's so many things you can do with him and limiting it to handing off to David Montgomery and because you don't want him to throw past 10 yards is going to be an issue for me if it doesn't start happening. Completely agree. Um, so, yeah, between that, obviously we said Roquan. We said cleaning up some of these mistakes. Um, the offensive line, I think, has been playing pretty pretty well. Lucas Patrick started snapping today, so hopefully we'll see him soon. When that happens, Mustafer is back up again. Tevin's Thank that God. solid right guard guy, and I think our line's going to look pretty dang good. Um, but, I mean, I think Kyler Gordon has to have a better game. Let's show you. I think they're going to – he'll have Brandon Cooks this weekend. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks, he's, he's not an easy cover by any means, but, like, I think he's so funny because, like, he's a really good receiver, but he's gotten so lost in terms of, like, being yeah. traded everywhere and all this stuff. I think he's had, like, a little bit of a ro- roller coaster yeah. of a he, he career. Gets that like, every he, other year. Get, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. For me, like, the big thing is, like, I want to three, see three offensive touchdowns. Yeah. And, like, that is not a crazy number. That's not a lot to ask. At all. <laughs> and, like, it is just, like, three offensive touchdowns is a very basic request against a team that you could probably score five on if you really wanted to. Yeah. So I think that's something that they can do. Will they? I don't know. But if they don't, I'm going to start getting worried about Luke Getze. And, like, I know it's early, but, like, yeah. that's just indefensible. Against a team with Houston, you have to. Like, yes. This is the game. We we mentioned against the 49ers. The 49ers were a game where you should have won because you were at home. They didn't have George Kittle. You had, like, it was a monsoon. Take advantage of all these things. Um, and now with Houston, it's the situation where you're looking at it and you're like, this isn't a very good team. Davis Mills is younger than and has less experience than – Justin Fields, take advantage of that. Take advantage of this defense that's allowing a crap ton of passing yards and also run the ball. Do a split, but I don't want to see 11 passes. Yeah, I, I want to see some pass attempts. 24. And like some dr- some drives that are like more than two minutes would be cool too. Yeah. And like, I, they're almost okay the time. I'm okay if they're two minutes, but it's only if they score come from like an 80 yard touchdown. Yeah. Like, that's the only way. Like, if it ends in a touchdown, I don't care how long it is, but like, yeah. you got to go down the field. You got to get the clock. Like, if you get the Packers the ball, or they get the Texans the ball as much as the Packers had, like, yeah. it's not going to end well. No. And especially because I think they'll do similar to what the Packers did, and they used a lot of the clock. So by the time the Bears got the ball back at certain points, you were like, well, it's been eight minutes now. And what are we going to do? Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we're talking about a win next week because the wins are way more fun. But may- – Maybe we'll also get an offensive player to freaking talk about because so far it's been two defensive guys. I love the defensive guys. I love the ends. I love the pass rush. I love the sacks. But I would love to be coming back and talking about Cole Komet next week or Darnell Mooney next week. Hey, another strong Montgomery game. He might be. Yeah, I know. That's we were deciding between Travis and Monty. If he had that that touchdown, we might have. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Well, we are out for this week. Um, I. I mean, sorry, done for this week. Now we are getting ready. It is Saturday. We've got a game tomorrow at 1 o'clock against Houston. 
12 o'clock for everyone back in Chicago. Yeah, 12 o'clock if you are in Chicago. But hopefully we are talking about a victory next week. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We are making monsters for Windy City Gridiron, and we will talk to you guys next week. See you then.